the thing now. And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons set by the Father, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will be witnesses um, of what I've what's just happened over the last couple months in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is God's word. Uh, for 10 sermons, we've, as it was supposed to be 8, it's going to be 12, but for 10 now, uh, we've looked at the message and the mission um, of our church. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to say um, in Tonkawa? And so we'll pick up today, Sermon 11, uh, from last week's message on evangelism, and today look at bearing witness to the gospel with our words, okay? Actually sharing the message of the day of the Lord and the restoration of all things. Actually telling people Jesus is the guy. Actually telling people that there is a cross and, and repentance for the forgiveness of your sins through this man for that day. And actually opening our mouths and telling people, you can believe this is true. I believe it's true because there's an empty tomb. Over there, okay, because God raised Jesus from the dead. These things that we're saying are not fantasy or myth. You can actually um, believe them. So this is the message the apostles received, and after that, received that message, they lived in a certain way. They lived on a, a certain mission. They lived lives of worship. They pledged themselves totally um, to the God of Israel and love and trust and loyalty. They gave themselves to discipleship, so themselves walking on that narrow path and then gathering with other believers to spur them on on that same narrow path. And then evangelism. They gave themselves to bearing witness to the gospel uh, with their deeds, as, as Reese preached last week and today um, with their words. Okay, And I, I haven't mentioned this the whole series. Uh, that's in our lobby out there. Okay, right when you walk in, it's following Jesus in worship, discipleship, and evangelism, if you're interested. Okay, so this is what they're doing. They're telling people the message. So Luke, uh, or Acts chapter 8, Luke tells us, those who had been scattered, they preached the word, so they said words. They, yeah, they talked, okay? They opened their mouths wherever they went. Verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he walked there this time. Right Later, Philip's going to like... Phew, um, and proclaimed the Christ. They, they used words there. Verse 12, they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God because it was told to them. It was uh, spoken. They sent Peter and John when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord. Do you see what they're doing? This is just Acts 8, right? This is the whole story, but in one chapter, um, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages, okay? So, easy point today, the gospel is words and it must be said, okay? We actually have to open our mouths and, and say these things, okay? Our deeds, our lifestyle, they adorn the message, they give it credibility, they, they tell the world that, hey, you actually believe the things you're saying, you're not just hot air, you're not just talking, you're, you're, you're doing it too. But if words aren't said, okay, if, if news isn't shared, evangelism hasn't really happened, okay? Right? It's words, it's news, it has to be said. Preach the gospel if necessary, use words, is not a mindset that faithful churches can adopt, okay? We must commit to be people who regularly, normally, just even casually, open our mouths and share the message 
That's been handed down to us. How did you hear it? How do you know the gospel? Someone told you? Someone told them, and someone told them, and someone told... Like, this is how it it passes along. And so to close out our message and mission series, uh, we're going to encourage us in this last part of our mission, evangelism. Uh, For the next two weeks, we're going to look at what, why, and how of evangelism. So just what and and why today. And next week, I want to just be really practical. Like, okay, how do I do it? How do I actually talk to another human being and get to this weird conversation? Okay, about a Jewish man from 2,000 years ago who died and then he rose again and then he talked to people and appeared to people and then he floated up into a cloud and he's coming back on a cloud. How do I get to that conversation? Oh, and by the way, he's coming back to punish you unless you repent and turn. And, right? Practically, we need help with that. Practically, no one wants to say that. Practically, we have to. Okay, we, we have to. So first, what of evangelism? What are we saying We're just saying the message we learned at the first part of the series. And since that was nine weeks ago, I'm just going to go through it again. Okay. So first, we bear witness to the day of the Lord and the restoration of all things. With our mouths, we tell people about the restoration, the, the, the renewal of all things. We tell people now is not always. Okay. And I say that a lot so that you can mock me with it because then you know it. Okay. You can say, now is not, like, Omega makes fun of me. Omega will just say it to, to make fun of me. Now, now is not always. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we, we tell people, okay? That is good news that now is not always, that the future is glorious. It's good news for this present evil age. With its sin and its wicked rulers and suffering and disease and death. That's good news. It's not going to be like this forever. Okay? So this is what Jesus does. Listen to how um, he does it. Luke 4, he goes into the temple. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is where the, the word gospel first shows up in the scripture. Okay? And, and like Jesus doesn't invent. It's not a New Testament word. Isaiah is saying it. So that, that scroll is handed to Jesus. He unrolls it. And he found the place where it's written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to Preach good news, right? To preach the gospel to who? Who's it for? The poor. Poor people. Now is not always. Freedom to the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's good news for those, right? That category of people. Jesus is saying, here's good news. It's not going to be like this forever, right? The, The future is much Better for you. So in bearing witness to and saying with our words, now is not always, the future's glorious. And bearing witness to that, we can tell the poor and we can tell the oppressed. Whether they're in the state that they're in due to this age, simply grinding them to powder, right? There's people who have, have tried to live the right way and do the right thing and this age still beat the heck out of them. Okay, or they made bad choices and got themselves into this mess or they've been taken advantage of by wicked rulers. However, they got to the state that they're in. We can tell them with confidence things won't be like this forever. Okay, like we have actual news for them. We can tell them, hey, a day of restoration and renewal is coming. We tell them that if they repent and trust God, that in the kingdom, in the restoration, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says the poor will be what? Please tell me you know this. The blessed are the poor, right? They, they'll, they'll be blessed. They'll be raised. They won't, right? You know what I mean? Like this, this is the message Jesus preaches. And then we demonstrate that truth by helping and serving the poor. 
Right? We proclaim the message that they will be blessed in the restoration, and then we adorn that message with deeds to match. Does that make sense? Like, that was what Reese was getting at last week. We don't just say, hey, things are going to be great for you. God will take care of you then. We give ourselves to take care of them now and demonstrate it. Matthew 9, same thing. Jesus goes to the villages and the cities teaching, using his words in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of what? The kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. There he is, right? Oh, forgot, I forgot this announcement. Um, Max's Sunday school class, which meets in room three, uh, they're going to start a class on the gifts of the Spirit uh, next week. So if you are interested um, in tongues and healing, as Dad would say, um, that class starts at nine next week. Okay, so we tell the sick, we, we tell the afflicted the same thing that we tell the poor. Now's not always, right? Sick person, it's not going to be like this forever. In fact, we tell them, That if they will repent and trust in God, in the kingdom, in the restoration, when the Messiah returns, Philippians 3, the Lord Jesus will transform their lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Okay? You can tell that to someone whose body is uh, racked with cancer or amnesia or disease or whatever. You can tell them, hey, this body you've got is going to be changed, resurrected fixed to never decay again. And then we tell them that, we preach the message of the blessing in the kingdom and the restoration of all things, including their body. And then we demonstrate that by Lord willing, laying our hands on them and the spirit of God healing their bodies. Okay? Like this is kind of the apostolic method. Hey, the day the Lord's coming, the restoration, the resurrection, they lay hands on them and they're healed. And it's a sign to that being true. Right? Does that make sense? We don't just... Say it, we actually ask the Lord to meet with power and heal their bodies like Jesus did. Or if that doesn't happen, we care for them in their sickness, in their disease, and shepherd them and pastor them to that age when they're resurrected. And we are too, okay? We proclaim the message that they will be resurrected in the restoration, and we adorn that message with deeds to match. Whether that's the the Lord moving in power and healing their body, or by us taking care of them and loving them, okay? But the point is that these words of renewal, of restoration, of the age to come, they must be said to people. Okay? Like you have, they have to be said. They have to be communicated verbally. So Peter, Acts 3, they heal the guy at, at, the, at the gate, right? Silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, we give to you. Rise up and walk. And he goes, walking and leaping and praising God. Walking. Okay? And then Peter says, he preaches, he uses this sign to preach. Therefore, repent that God may send Jesus from heaven and heaven must receive him until when? When does Jesus return until the time of the restoration of all things? Okay, so this is this is like just the basic place to start with evangelism is give people good news. Right. Like we're not I'm not to the bad part. We'll get to the bad part in a sec. But we're just telling people good news to start. Just, hey, things won't be like this forever. The, the future is glorious. And so getting this into my own heart and, 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 and mind has been the most helpful thing to my own evangelism. Okay, I, I did not want to get to this part of the series because it's embarrassing for me because I'm not an evangelist. Okay, and, and I didn't say I'm not a good evangelist. There are no good evangelists. There are people who do it or who don't. Okay, I'm I've just most like percentage wise of my life. I've been a don't and I don't want to be a don't. I want to tell people about 
um, Jesus, and this is what we should all do, this has been the most helpful to me. One, because it's just a joyful, easy thing to talk about, right? It's just good news. I can just share good news easily, and you can too, right? Maybe not about this. This might still weird you out, but you share good news all the time, all right? Hey, this movie I like's coming out. Hey, it's going to rain. Hey, like, you know what I mean? The thunder got a good draft pick. You know, like you, you easily share good news because good news is easy to share. By right? that makes sense. And second, this giving good news has been really helpful to my evangelism because almost everyone is suffering from something in one way or another. Okay, like think, think, think of the person in your life who's just got it together the most, and things just be, seem to be going really, really well for them. There's an area of their life where they are suffering. And they need the good news that not going to be like this forever. Okay, God has a glorious future. Okay, so even so, the, 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 the you know, clinically depressed person at Subway, right? And I pick on Subway because you've all been to Subway, right? And you say, I would like, they go, what would you like? Go ham. <sighs> no. And you're like, what, did I offend you? <laughs> like, the, 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 the person at Dollar General and your neighbor, whoever they are, okay? None of them are suffering from something that a good resurrection won't fix. And we tell them, hey, not going to be like this forever, clinically depressed subway guy. Right? Like things will get better. The Lord has a glorious future. The point is, though, they won't know about the resurrection. They won't know about the restoration. They won't know about hope unless you tell them. Okay? So we got to say the future's bright. The future's glorious. There's resurrection, restoration, renewal, healing. No more war. No more crying pain. Right? The end of revelation there. No more suffering. No more death. We got to tell people that because they don't know. They don't know. Even in Tonkawa, Oklahoma, people have no clue about the future at all, at all. And if it, and if you do press into that, you're going to find out it's not a biblical future they have in mind. We got to tell them this news. And this part's easy because it's just like, hey, it's awesome. It's good. It's good news. OK, so we. We have to say a second, we bear witness to the hope of the Messiah. We tell Jesus, yeah, we, we tell people, yeah, this future is coming and Jesus is the guy who's going to do it. Okay, we tell people Jesus is going to bless the poor. He's going to punish the wicked. He's going to reward the righteous. He's going to raise the dead and all the rest, right? Because you share the good news. They go, wow, that, that is good, good news. Now it's not always who's going to make it happen. We say Jesus is. And here's where it gets weird, because now we're talking about a guy who uh, lived in First century, you know, it gets weird there. But we say Jesus is the appointed seed from Genesis 3 who's going to crush the serpent's head and fix all this stuff. Jesus is the appointed seed from Genesis 12 and 15 and 17 who's going to bless all the nations of the earth. We say, you know, Jesus is the appointed seed from 2 Samuel 7 who's going to be a, a king, a son of David, who's going to rule the nations in perfect righteousness. Jesus is the appointed seed. And here's where it gets weird. You might not get to this part the first time you share the gospel with someone. But yeah, he's going to give Israel a new heart and a new spirit and raise the dead. And they're never going to turn from him again. They go, I don't care about Israel. What are you talking about? And you say, we'll meet again and talk about it. Okay, but we just tell people Jesus is the guy who's going to fix it. So this is how the apostles evangelize. Acts 5, every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news, which is what? That Jesus 
is the appointed one. He's the anointed one who makes all the good stuff that I've been saying happen. Acts 13. This one's really cool. We'll just have to blow through it, though. Acts 13. We ourselves, we proclaim, we say, we open our mouths to you. Good news of the promise that was made to our ancestors. Okay? And Joe Blow, who you share this with, has no idea what that is. But I'm just, this is an example. He's referring to the Second Samuel 7, the covenant with, with David made a promise that a son of David is going to rule the nations in righteousness. Verse 33, God has fulfilled this promise for us, Abraham's children, by raising Jesus from the dead. As it's written in Psalm 2, you are my son, today I've become your father. And as to his raising him from the dead, never to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure promises of David, Jesus. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man, so we got to point people to this man who the promises are made for, who all the promises find their yes in, through this man, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you, okay? So we tell people about the resurrection and the restoration and all that awesome stuff, and then we tell them, and Jesus is the one who will bring it about, okay? And you, you might not get here at the start, and you might think, well, Kind of, why does that matter? Because it it matters that it's Jesus, because it can't be anyone else, (laughs) right? Like, anyone who's ever been in charge of anything, we, we can't do it. We're not good at it, okay? Fallen human beings who are not Jesus can't fix anything, (laughs) okay? It is not in our capacity, and if that's a shot to your pride... Get over it. This is the story of the Bible is human beings cannot do it, but God has appointed, God has in love given himself to fix what we've messed up, right? To fix the problems. We put our hope in Jesus and in no one else. Third, and this is the hard part in my uh, opinion, we evangelize uh, by calling people to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus' cross for forgiveness. Okay, if we don't get to this part, our evangelism is half done. Okay, because you can say the future is awesome, Jesus will bring it about, and that person might think, "Great, <laughs> awesome, that's it for me. I'll just inherit eternal life, just like that." That that's that's not the full message. The good news of the restoration and the good news of the kingdom is contrasted with the bad news that the sort of lives that we've lived prevent us from inheriting the kingdom of God. Okay, if you're an honest human being, you know this to be true. The life you have lived is not worthy of attaining the coming age. So just follow how Jesus makes, uh, logically does this. Mark 1, Jesus goes into Galilee and he's proclaiming the gospel of God. And what was the gospel? The kingdom of God is drawing near. The day of the Lord, the kingdom, the restoration, the rewarding of the righteous, the punishing of the wicked, the raising of the dead, all this stuff, it's drawing near. So how are folks to inherit that king? They're hearing Jesus say, it's coming, right? It's it's near. How do you get in? How do you enter eternal life? Is the message that Jesus preaches, the kingdom's coming and you're fine. No, that would be a different uh, story <laughs> than the one that we have, right? He doesn't say keep going on this path that you're on, a path that doesn't acknowledge uh, God as Lord and boss and all the other stuff. Uh, uh, a path that has a heart that doesn't love God and a heart that doesn't love neighbor. No, Jesus doesn't preach that. That is not part of his gospel. That will keep you out of the kingdom, actually. 
right, rejecting God and not loving your neighbor, to enter the coming kingdom, the message Jesus is proclaiming, the kingdom, of, proclaiming the good news of, of the kingdom of God, it's, it's drawing near. Jesus' gospel proclamation says, repent, right? Turn around, go the other way, and keep putting your faith in the promises. Repent and believe the good news, right? So it's not just believe the good news about the age to come. It's repent and turn to enter into it, which, again, assumes when we went through the cross part, assumes you've got stuff in here you need to repent of, right? Parts of your lives aren't, aren't uh, uh, matching up with what will be valuable in the age to come. And so to bear witness, to be faithful in evangelism, we have to have this part of the gospel that calls people to repentance. That calls people to turn from their sin and turn towards God. Is that easy, clear? Like, I hope that's basic to our congregation um, at this point. Okay, this is how John did it, right? right? Right before this, John goes and preaches the same message. The kingdom of God is at hand, therefore repent, turn this is how Jesus did it, and then this is how uh, this is how Jesus told us to do it. So, uh, Luke twenty four, Jesus says it's written, "The Messiah will suffer." So we've got the cross for the sins of others. He will rise from the dead on the third day, right? And so, in, in light of this act of grace from God, that the Messiah is going to suffer on your behalf and rise from the dead, in light of that, what should be preached? Verse forty seven, repentance. For the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Right? This is what Jesus did. And then this is what Jesus tells the apostles to do. Hey, I'm going to the cross. They they missed that part. He told them like six times. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to rise from the dead. And then you guys go out and tell people to repent. And they too can be raised from the dead. Right? So before the cross, Jesus is, is... Preparing them to proclaim the cross before the the blood of the new covenant, the the covenant that can remove sin uh, forever is shed. Jesus is preparing them to proclaim that forgiveness. Okay, it's just it's a simple, straightforward message. And so this is what they do. Acts 21 or sorry, Acts 2. Um, Peter, this is uh, uh, the Pentecost event, spirit, all, all the stuff. Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and he proclaimed to them the day of the Lord's coming. When the people heard this stuff that Peter had said, that the day of the Lord's coming for people who killed Jesus, who killed Jesus? Oh, you guys, the day of the Lord's coming for you. When the people heard this, because it was words, because it was said, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do to be saved from the day of the Lord and the wrath of God? And Peter replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you, at, 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 for the forgiveness of your sins, Right? Easy, simple, straightforward message. Acts 10. Acts 10 is the best part. Like if you just want the gospel in a short little um, passage, it's Acts 10 and Acts 17. Acts 10. Peter says, we ourselves are witnesses of everything that he did in, in Judea and Jerusalem. Yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. So Peter's proclaiming the cross. God raised this man on the third day and caused him to be seen, verse 41, by us whom God has appointed as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Verse 42, here it is. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. He commanded us to use our words and say to people that he is the one whom God appointed. Right, so the messianic hope from earlier. As judge of the living and the dead, the day of the judgment, day of the Lord. So those first two aspects of the gospel are here 
Um, and verse 43, all the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him, everyone who puts their trust in his cross for the forgiveness of their sins, everyone who trusts in him to also raise their body like his body was raised, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins for the day of judgment. Easy, like simple clear. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Spirit came down on all those who heard the message because it was said to them, okay? So Peter's clear. He's using words to inform the Gentile audience that God has an appointed agent, that God has a day where he will punish uh, sin, but he also gave his life, gave him his son on a cross um, for our sins. And if they will put their trust in him, and his work, they will receive forgiveness and pardon, and they will not receive condemnation. And the Gentile group in Acts 10 is like, sweet. They respond with, with obedience, and the Spirit falls, and, and you get all the stuff. Okay, so here's the point here. We've went through all of that stuff over and over and over. The point is, are these Gentiles going to know any of that unless Peter tells them? Any of it. Are they going to have a clue about anything that Jesus said and did unless Peter says it with his words? Okay? No! They have no clue! No, no clue at all. You, you can get, so this is Romans 1, right? You can get that there's a creator, right? You, you walk outside. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like any honest person goes, yeah, okay. You can get there's a creator. You can maybe get that because you're created, that you're morally accountable to that creator and there's going to be recompense for how... Like, you can get to there. Human beings can get there. They get there all the time with no one telling them, right? You just go outside. You can get to um, that point. But you can't get this without someone telling you, okay? You, you, you just can't, okay? A faithful... Gospel proclamation includes the day of judgment, includes God's means for pardon and repentance and the cross for that day. Like, this has to be said to people. It it absolutely um, has to, uh, I don't put this in in the notes, 2 Corinthians 5. um, Let me just read this to you. If this is all, uh, if this is all super basic and um, simple and old hat for you and you're like, why are we talking about this again? Um, my uh, my encouragement would be to do it then. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're doing the day of the Lord and the cross and the resurrection, all this stuff. We know this stuff. Okay, go do it. Go tell somebody about it. So Second so Corinthians um, uh, 5.11, Paul says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. And what's the fear of the Lord in in Paul's mind, that the day of judgment's coming, right? We tremble. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. We, we tell them, um, verse 10 and 11 and then 8, 18, um, all this, this message, all this is from God, who through, through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So Paul, first Corinthians, second Corinthians, he's going through the cross, he's going through the resurrection, he's going through repentance, and Paul's saying, I've received this news, I believe it, the Spirit of God came into my heart, confirmed it, and now, Paul says, now we who believe this, apostles here, we've received that ministry of reconciliation, okay? 
We heard it, we received it, and now the Lord Jesus says, yeah, now you go give it to other people and tell them how they can be um, reconciled to their creator. He gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. So it's Paul's... Paul's like thought is Jesus is preaching his gospel through us as ambassadors for our, uh, you know, however that um, works out for our sake. He made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin that in him we even we might become the righteousness of God. So like this is just the simple. This is just Jesus simple plan for the world. I'm going to do this thing and then you guys go tell all the nations about it. <laughs> Peace, I'll see you in a couple thousand um, years. Acts 17, same thing. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Why should they repent? Verse 31, because he has set a day, and what happens on the day, he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he's appointed. He's provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Okay? So the point is, faithful evangelism points to the day of judgment for sins. Faithful evangelism points to the cross for forgiveness. Faithful evangelism calls for repentance. And, and again, this is the hard part of evangelism, I think. Okay, To, to tell people they've got to do something different than what they are currently um, doing, especially Americans. Right? You're going to tell me what to do? No, you are not. Right? I think that's a good American trait, by the way. I just It does make some things harder. The restoration of all things stuff, that's easy. Okay? Like, wherever you're eating today, you can tell someone that. It, it, easy. People love to hear good news. Jesus as the good guy, right? That's easy to tell people because everyone has their own versions of Jesus and they're going to plug in. Yeah, of course he's the good guy. Uh, even the Day of Judgment stuff is sort of easy because people are hardwired to love and long for justice, right? And for wicked people to have to give account. But the repentance part, calling people to repentance and and to walk another way and go on a different path is hard because nobody believes that judgment's coming for them, right? Everybody wants justice. Everybody wants judgment. And because everybody knows it's just for other people, (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, Mao and Hitler and Trump and Biden, those guys, they need it. And you're just totally ignorant of what's going on in your own heart. Okay? This is hard. It's just, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever shared the gospel with someone and then got to this point and then just be like, I'm pretty much a good person? You know? I do it when I preach the gospel to myself. I'm actually I'm okay. I'm okay. And no one wants to hear this. Acts, Acts 24, uh, Paul is standing before um, Felix, and he says, he, he's uh, reasoning with him about righteousness and judgment. And Felix says, uh, that's enough from you, Paul. You can go away now. Because right? we, we, we don't want to hear. So point, faithful evangelism we have to make this part clear that you actually have to turn your heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Lord. Okay? We're not faithful evangelists. We're not faithful churches. If we present a message that would give people the impression there is entrance into the kingdom, much less entrance into the church without repentance. We can't do that. 
We can't hate people enough to say that to them, and we can't be cowardly enough to just do things like that. 1 Corinthians 6, just to make this point, Paul says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? And, and the people in 1 Corinthians, they do know, right? He's like, don't you, you know. Okay, don't be deceived. Sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, males who have sex with males, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers. They will not inherit God's kingdom. And, and so Paul wants to make that clear. We want to make that clear, but we want to make it clear like Paul makes clear here in verse 11. Not like, I can't believe you are like this. You need to repent. But when we share the gospel with people, just be clear, like the cross puts us all on this same level. All have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And if I don't repent, I don't get in. If you don't repent, you don't get in. So verse 11, he says, and some of you used to be like this, but you were washed when you repented of your sins. You were sanctified. You were justified when you put your trust in the cross. So it, it, it's um, it's some guy from the Jesus movement. Uh, we're, we're beggars telling other beggars where to find bread, right? We're not saying like, I'm much better than you and you have to repent. It's like, all have fallen short. All have to repent. And then um, finally, the fourth thing we bear witness to is, is to the resurrection. Okay? We bear witness to the resurrection. Paul preaches and says that all of these other things... Um, the day of the Lord, the Messiah, the cross, all of these things are true and reliable and should be um, heeded. Why? Acts 17. He has provided proof of this, all these things, to everyone by raising him from the dead. Okay? And I know that seems like a duh thing. Preaching the gospel is telling people Jesus isn't dead anymore. But we can't emphasize it enough because if Jesus isn't raised, everything else about his message is a big bag of who cares. Okay? If Jesus isn't raised bodily, what are we doing? 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, vain, worthless, and you're still in your sins. Okay, so that's that's the what of evangelism. That's what we're telling people. The day of the Lord with all of its glory and all of its terror is coming. Jesus is the guy who makes it happen. There's a cross and repentance for the forgiveness of your sins for that day, and you can believe it. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. And that might get you into more apologetics conversations and stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit um, next week. But that's the what. Okay, You can tell people that. You, you don't need a Bible degree to do that. You just need to be obedient to do that. Okay? <laughs> so why, just um, quickly, and I'll, uh, Robert, if you would come help us, please. Why we do evangelism is because the greatest commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor. Okay, Jesus says, if you love God, you will keep his commands, and he commands us to bear witness. There's lots of other reasons why you should do evangelism, but I think the great commandment is probably the top. If we love our lost neighbor as disciples of Jesus, we will imitate Jesus, and Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Okay, the great commandment requires evangelism. And so um, what I want to do today is... Just pray a lot because evangelism is, is, it's not really a question of knowledge for us, okay? It's not really a question of, man, what gospel, what is the gospel? What I, it's really a question of obedience because you know the gospel. You, you've been reconciled to God and you've been given the ministry of reconciliation and now you've got to do it, okay? So let's pray.
Father, we ask that by the Spirit, the gospel would be clear in our hearts and minds. God, it would be written like stone. And we pray that by the Spirit, it would come out of our mouths with, with clarity, God, with, uh, with boldness. God, we ask you for, for the Spirit to come down on us and, and encourage us to be obedient. God, to obey our Master's uh, commission to go. As we go, God, make disciples, teaching them all that you've commanded us. God, preaching the gospel, we pray uh, for Christian Life Church in Tonkawa that, that we would be um, like that, that swirl of stories in Acts 8, that those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. They proclaimed the gospel every day in the temple and in various homes, teaching, proclaiming, opening their mouths. So we're, we're um, repent, God, for not sharing the gospel, for not being faithful in proclamation, for not being uh, uh, witnesses, God, to our neighbors and to our coworkers and to our families. We repent and we thank you for forgiving us. God, for, for um, giving us a new start. And today we sign up again and we say yes to evangelism. We say yes to, to bearing witness to the gospel with our words. So I ask you that this week we would have eyes um, open, ears open um, to opportunities uh, to preach the good news. To tell people that a, a, a day is coming when all things will be made new and fixed and restored. And if we repent and put our trust in Jesus, we'll inherit it. So visit us in power, God, over these next couple days. God, and as we preach the gospel, as we share the gospel, would you uh, uh, confirm it, God, with signs and wonders and miracles and demonstrations of power showing that the message is true. I'm going to go ahead and invite um, our elders up. If, if uh, you want to pray for anything, um, pray with them about it. If you want to pray in response to the message. Um, but while they're up, I'm just going to keep praying for our evangelism. I think we need to press into this. So you're, again, you're welcome to come up, pray on your row, um, pray wherever. But if you're not praying with an elder, just keep praying with me for our witness. God, I ask you for the long-term relationships that we have in our life just from living in Tonkawa and um, being part of this community. Um, God, that those uh, would lay a, a foundation. God, those would give a, a launching pad for evangelism with people we've known for a long time.
us in your spirit. almost um, preached a sermon on evangelism and didn't evangelize. <laughs> if you're here and you have not put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and put your trust in his resurrection as a guarantee of your resurrection, do so today. Turn from your sin. Put your trust in Jesus. Um, if you have questions about what that's how, what, what do I do? You're sitting next to a member of our church. They can tell you, okay? Or you can talk to me or any of our other elders here. Um, but let's do that today, okay? Um, where's Keith? Oh, right there, yeah. Uh, so we're going to keep doing our, our home group uh, testimonies. Uh, we've had... Helen and Rachel and Allie and Sean and uh, Ryan last week. And so Keith is going to share today.